Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Over well, I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. It is overtime for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. I'm Jake Marin, and I'm joined by Alex Henry. What's up, guys? And Mitch Bates. How's it going, everyone? That's right. The UFC crew is back here on SPTOT. This is the third installment of the podcast with the three of us. And guys, we're all 7-2-1 and one with two podcasts down. What do you guys think of that? All knotted up so far. Yeah, I feel like I had a really good event last time around. Went, I believe, 4-0-1. and one. On the last event and I look forward to doing a little bit better this time you know I think it's fun too because like the uh you know the fights that we've all lost were like all kind of disagreement fights too so it really goes to show that you know majority of fights we're predicting I mean obviously it's fun to compete and everything and I'm, tr- I'm trying to be the champ double champ status right here oh, okay but I will say it is very fun that you know a majority of the fights we are all predicting correctly. You know, it does go to show that we may we maybe know a little something here, Jake. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. And all seven two and one, like that's a good record. I'm not ashamed of a seven two and one record. I'm ashamed that we're all tied, but maybe that will change on Saturday night at UFC two eighty five. It's insane that we're all tied so far with good records. I'm comfortable with the record, but those records will change this weekend with UFC 285, Jones versus Gone. It's an incredible card with some key matchups on the prelims and early prelims, but I think we can all agree that this main card is stacked. Of course, it features the return of the GOAT in many people's eyes, John Jones, to the sport of MMA. This time as a heavyweight, we'll see what he looks like at heavyweight. We'll talk about that very soon, but as we always do, we'll start with the first fight of the main card, which features one of the most promising contenders in all of MMA. It's Bo Nickel taking on Jamie the Night Wolf Pickett. This was originally scheduled for UFC 282 last December. Nickel, he's a promising contender in the UFC. He's a minus 1500 betting favorite here. Do you guys think Bo Nickel gets it done and how so? Yeah, Bo Nickel has looked fantastic in two fights that I watched in the contender series. He's got three total fights under his belt. I mean, it's it's very rare. We see wrestlers all the time, collegiate wrestlers, go to MMA. Jake and I, we even know a couple personally. It, it's not super rare. But to see somebody at the status that Bo Nickel was at, it's like a Daniel Cormier-esque um, transition uh, to MMA. And it, it's insane how good he is. Something that I want to talk about, because we all know he's a fantastic wrestler, Um we all know that his striking capability to set up his shots so quickly kind of reminds you of a Hamzat Shmaev, uh, which would be a very, very fun fight to watch. I think we all would agree there. Um, but, man, his BJJ, his Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is excellent. He's able to wrap up submissions so quickly. And um, 
it, it's so rare to see a wrestler be able to transition to BJJ as good as he had. This will definitely be his hardest um, his hardest fight, though, with Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett, he's a pretty good striker. My thing with him is sometimes he's too low output. But when he is striking, he's got good power. Um, but, I mean, it's got to be Bo Nickel. I'm going Bo Nickel. The reason that the odds are the way they are is because Bo Nickel is that good. And uh, I think he finishes him, actually. I genuinely do. I see a lot of people going with the decision for Bo Nickel. I don't. I see him finishing him. Actually, I see him finishing him in the first round, uh, probably by submission. Another first-round victory for Bo Nickel. And to your point, Alex, he's really good. He obviously has that wrestling background, but the BJJ, when he gets the fight to the ground, he's so explosive there as well. Mitch, what are your thoughts on this main card opener? Bo Nickel, for me, he's displayed absolute wrestling dominance before now coming into the UFC. And his total fight time is around two and a half minutes. So he Mm -hmm. really finishes very quickly when he actually gets you to the ground. And Pickett, for me, doesn't really represent a threat in any way to Bo Nickel. He usually tries to grapple you and close distance very fast and tends to look for decision wins as opposed to actually finishing you. But I don't think any of that matters in this fight because I think Bo Nickel's going to take him down immediately and I see a fast finish also. Probably first round for me, submission, Bo Nickel. Yeah, you guys handicapped this fight pretty well. I'm also in agreement I like Bo Nickel here. The only thing I would add to Bo Nickel, and the only hole, if you can even call it a hole in his game, is his chin. Because he simply hasn't been hit with a power shot in MMA yet. So I'm intrigued to see what happens if he does get hit with a solid power shot here from Jamie Pickett. And with Jamie Pickett... You mentioned it, Alex. He can be gun-shy at times. He has a negative striking differential because of it. 65% takedown defense, which will be tested here against Bo Nickel. I like Pickett. I've been following him since his win on Contender Series in August of 2020. He's well-balanced, but he's not going to be a threat against a guy like Bo Nickel. Pickett might look good in the first minute or two if he tries to keep range and fight behind a jab with some power punches and combos mixed in. Then... It's going to go very poorly, very quickly. I like Nickel to attack, get the takedown, and get a win via first round ground on pound. So we all like Bo Nickel in the first round. Kind of a lock there, minus 1,500 odds. You kind of have to find a prop bet that might suit you a little bit better if you're a sports better out there. But let's move on to this next fight because this next fight is not so obvious. We have the number seven ranked lightweight in the world, Mateusz Gamer Gamrot, taking on the number 10 uh, lightweight in the world. It's Jalen the Tarantula Turner. Gamrot, of course, stepped in to fight Turner in place of Dan Hooker a few weeks ago. Mitch, I'll go to you first. Gamrot Turner, a very exciting lightweight matchup here. Yeah, I really enjoy this fight for a lot of different reasons, and one of them is the difference in both of their style. I think Gamrot's a very pure wrestler, and I think he's one of the better wrestlers at lightweight. And Turner, I don't think he's been tested to this degree nearly in his career. And this is going to be his first big ranked fight. And I think Turner needs to keep this fight on the feet. Obviously, he's got a lot of power in his hands. He's got to use it. Gamrot needs to close the distance, take him down as much as he can, wear him out. And it was a really tough fight for me to pick, but... When I went back through it a couple times and thought about it, I always came back to Gamrock getting the win. I think that he will be able to withstand the power of Turner, and I think his style is something that Jalen's not going to be 
very prepared for. And I know that Gamrot just stepped in, but that's also a different style for what Turner was trying to prepare for. And I think that Gamrot gets the submission win, and I don't think it'll come early, probably the third round, but that's ultimately what I believe will happen. Mateusz Gamrot, third-round submission, the pick for Mitch. Alex, I'll throw it to you next. Gamrot, Turner, who do you have? That's an interesting pick, Mitch. I'm not going to lie. Gamrot by third-round submission. But, uh, no, no, you made a lot of good points. Um, some stuff I'll just add. First off, I love the tarantula. I love J- Jalen Turner. I'm, As do I'm I. not going to hide it. I love the guy. I'm a big fan of him. Something that, you know, I- I'll kind of piggyback off of the last fight I talked about with uh, Bo Nickel, you can translate that to Jalen Turner, um, where Jalen Turner is not a crazy wrestler by any means, but he, he almost reminds me of Charles Oliveira. And hear me out when I say that, um, not in terms of how good of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy he is, but in terms of you would watch Charles Oliveira just be striking or doing nothing, and then boom, he'd have you in a submission. He'd have you in a guillotine. That's what Jalen Turner's done. When he has these submission wins, he's had a couple. Um when he gets those rear naked chokes, he's just wrapping them up out of nowhere. And it's kind of kind of fitting for the name, the tarantula. You kind of think of a tarantula, got all these legs, kind of come at you anyway. Um, and, and that's what he does. He's a high-volume striker. Um, looking at Gamrot, though, I mean, like you said, Mitch, he is he's a very, uh, very good wrestler. His striking's good. His speed's good. His footwork's pretty good. And, I, I, you know, looking at my notes, I – I'm almost confused why I picked um, Gamrot, but I, I did pick Gamrot. Uh, but talking out loud, it almost seems that I want to pick Jalen Turner, and that's why I based my my first statement off of saying I am a fan of Jalen Turner. I am going to go with Gamrot here. I wrote these notes uh, when I was when I was really, really studying at a much higher level, and now I'm here to perform on the podcast. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Gamrot. I like him here. I always pick the wrestler over the striker, and, and that's the biggest thing in MMA. And Gamrot's striking is good. If he needs to strike, he can strike. Sure, I don't think he's a Jalen Turner. And the thing is with Jalen Turner is every every rising star, every contender, they need their fight that they weren't supposed to win, that they win, that sets them over. And that was supposed to be Dan Hooker. And it's not gonna be Gamrot. Interesting, Alex, and that's not the first time you have come on this podcast and you've given a solid argument for one fighter, and then you just completely switched pace and picked the other fighter. I believe it was uh, Davison versus Brandon Moreno, fight number three, and you were like all for Moreno, and then you switched your pick, and you ended up right on that one. So we'll see if that stays true for UFC 285 here with Gamrot and Turner. Looking at Gamrot, on the feet, he's a volume striker. That He just doesn't possess that fight-ending power that a lot of fighters in the UFC has. He is mostly known for his wrestling. You guys mentioned it. Dariush was able to out-wrestle him, and Gamrot still has incredible takedown defense. It's just his relentless pace and pursuit of takedowns that makes him dangerous. For Turner, he's currently on that five-fight win streak in the UFC. He's won them all by first or second round finish. He's incredible at what he does. That first round submission in 45 seconds over Brad Riddell at UFC 276 was insane. He has a positive striking differential of six to four. He's an incredible boxer on the feet. 
And you guys didn't really mention his length and his height here. He's going to enjoy a 5-inch height advantage and a 7-inch reach advantage in this fight. He And what makes him so key is he uses that reach and he uses that height to his advantage. He knows how to be a lengthy striker. He also has high-level jiu-jitsu and averages nearly two takedowns per 15 minutes of cage time with three of his last four wins coming via submission. I could see Turner winning via KO or submission as Gamrot has him on the ground, but with this being a fight on somewhat short notice for Gamrot, I see him employing an offense of nothing but wrestling. Dariush was able to defend Gamrot's takedowns, and while Turner has solid takedown defense, I don't think it's anywhere close to Benil Dariush. I love watching Turner fight, but I think this is going to be a classic fight where the wrestler gets his way over an exciting striker. I like Gamrot by decision and expect a lot of the crowd to boo here on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point with height. And Jalen Turner being 6'3 at 155 is incredible. That's incredible. And that helps you a lot versus wrestlers, except when it doesn't. The reason it helps you is you can get your hips back way better. You see somebody shooting, you're able to get your hips back faster because you're that much taller. However, you're fighting a Gamrot wrestler, and he's going to shoot, and if he misses... He's going to reshoot, and if he misses, he's going to reshoot until eventually he gets you or he has you against the cage, and he's able to use some sort of trips to get you on the ground too. And that's something to also look at when you look at a Gamera. Also, if you're Jalen Turner, you're saying, hey, let me drop back, avoid these takedowns, and counter-strike, and maybe get some strikes in. So it'll definitely be a really good matchup. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting one, and, and to your point, Gamrot, he does relentlessly pursue that takedown, and if you're Jalen Turner, you just have to try and fight at range and make sure that Gamrot can't get close to you, and that's really Turner's best path to winning, and who knows, maybe Turner does wrap up a submission on one of those takedown attempts from Gamrot. We've seen crazier things happen here, and Jalen Turner has had a reputation to do that as of late. But let's move on to the third fight of the main card. We have Jeff Hands of Steel Neal taking on an up-and-comer, if you can even call him that anymore. It's Shavkat Nomad Rachmanov. This fight was originally booked for January 14th of this year. We get it here at UFC 285. And I'll start us off on this one. Neal, his last fight was a KO win over Vicente Luque last August. He looked incredible in that fight. He has turned a two-fight losing streak to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Neil Magny into a two-fight winning streak now in the UFC. He lands five strikes per minute, but he also absorbs five strikes per minute. He throws a ton of volume with strikes, and he's just an aggressive guy with a ton of power in his fists. For Rachmanov, he's 16-0, eight knockouts, eight submissions, nine first-round finishes. That's a 100% finish rate. He burst onto the scene with a 4-0 record in the UFC. In his last fight, it was a second-round submission win over Neil Bagney last June. Just completely destroyed Neil Bagney in his last fight. He averages 2.31 takedowns and 1.73 submissions per 15 minutes of cage time. That 100% takedown defense as well with an average fight time of only 6 minutes and 30 seconds. Shavkat can simply just win a fight wherever the fight goes, and he's usually the fighter that dictates where a fight goes as well. Jeff Neal is a great fighter, but he's not Shavkat Rachmanov. Rachmanov is a one-of-a-kind fighter, and he has the complete package. We're already starting to talk about him versus guys like Kamzat Shamayev, and it's understandable with his 100% finish rate as well. I think Shavkat will apply a ton of forward pressure in this fight, 
get this fight up against the fence into the ground if he wants, and I think he wins it inside the distance against Jeff Neal. That's my breakdown. Those are my thoughts, but I'm interested to hear from you guys. Mitch, I'll throw it to you first for this fight, Jeff Neal versus Shavkat Rachmanov. This fight for me is going to be really exciting. I like both of these guys as fighters, and Rachmanov has been absolutely dominant. There's no disputing that. And with his 100% finish rate right now, he hasn't seen the third round since 2018. And that's really major for me. He's winning these fights, and he's winning them early. And one thing that I actually do like about uh, Neil is that he has a very good track record when it comes to who he's been fighting and who he's been beating. I like the win against Luke a lot. I think that does say a lot. Uh, he beat Ponzinibbio. He even beat the UFC GOAT Mike Perry, so that's got to mean something. But I I don't see this being a loss for Rachmanov. I think it's actually a big prove-yourself fight, and I think it starts to get him on the map for those bigger-name guys that he wants to get to. So I'm going to go with Rachmanov in this one, and I'm not quite sure how he finishes the fight yet, but I'll definitely have that guaranteed by the end of this podcast. All right, Rachmanov, the pick for Mitch and I. Alex, I'm not really expecting anything different, but if you are going Rachmanov, how do you think he gets it done? Yeah, I'm going Rachmanov here. Um, there hasn't been a fighter I've been this excited to actually get to predict one of their fights since I think like Sean O'Malley or Patty Pimplett. Probably Patty would have been the last one. Uh, this is a guy I love, and I'm so excited he's getting a main card fight. I'm very excited to watch him fight. Uh, my boy G-Off. That's what I'm going to call him now. G-Off Neil. Like how you call Jorge Masvidal George? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my boy G-Off Neil. I'm sorry. He ain't getting it done. He he is. He's a powerful striker. I actually wrote in my notes that he's an angry striker and not necessarily an aggressive striker. That's not what I mean by that. But he just kind of strikes like he's angry. He'll throw hard and he'll throw real good combos. And I, I do think that's, like, something very unique to him when you watch him fight. Um... And something that could really cause some troubles for Shavkat, but it won't. Um, I, I don't see it happening. I um, I, I like Shavkat here. Um, I like him here. Yeah, I'm I'm with Mitch. He the reason it's hard to pick is because he can win any way he wants. Yeah. So I, I said he's going to dictate where this fight goes because yeah. he can make this fight any type of fight that he realistically wants it to be. Right. He can submit him. He can finish him. If he wants to play with his food, he can go to a decision, right? I do like Shavkat inside the distance, and that was an interesting stat that Mitch came up with. He hasn't been to a third round since 2018, so I do like him to either win via first round or second round finish. But, guys, it's time to go to the co-main event of the evening for UFC 285. It's a women's flyweight title bout between Valentina Bullet Shevchenko taking on the number six-ranked flyweight in the world it's alexa grasso as a plus 460 underdog here do you guys like the underdog or are you sticking with the champion shevchenko to win this fight alex i'll, I'll kick it right back to you man yeah valentina shevchenko defended her belt seven times has not lost since 2017 and do we all know who that loss was amanda nunez i mean come on there, there's not much i have to say here she's got great power Good ground and pound. You know, uh, they say Mark Coleman is the, the godfather of ground and pound um, in terms of, you know, like a male fighter. If I had to pick the, the, the what's the, the godmother of, 
of ground and pound, I, I would go with Valentina the Bull of Shevchenko because it's insane. And now, the thing is, she had good ground and pound, but she wasn't always crazy good at takedowns. Now she's pretty good at takedowns. She averages a little over two takedowns a fight. And I think that just really helps round out her game. Uh, but she's not all grounded pound. She'll strike you. She'll submit you. She can do whatever. Uh, Alexa Grasso, she's also kind of a volume striker. Um, she's on a four-fight win streak. And she's looked really good. She earned this title shot 100%. However, this title shot is against Valentina Shevchenko, and that's her biggest concern. Uh, Valentina's a lot better in every category. I'm very confident with my pick. I'm going with the bullet. Yeah, that's an interesting pick, and you mentioned Valentina and her run that she's been on, but of course that stumble last fight, if you can call it that, at UFC 275 with Tyler Santos. A lot of people believe Santos won that fight. Maybe a rematch brewing in the future, but it's Shevchenko Grasso at 285. Mitch, who do you think wins this fight? 100%. I've got Shevchenko in this one. This wasn't. This was probably the easiest fight on the card for me to pick, and Grasso is not bad at all. I'm not saying that she's not a fighter that deserves the shot that she has, but her skill set is nowhere near the skill set of Valentina. And if you want to beat her, I feel you need to take her down, grapple her, make it an uncomfortable fight, and you can't allow her to dip into that skill set that she has and I don't think that's something that Grasso can actually do against her I think stylistically this is exactly what Shevchenko wants and I also don't think that Grasso is really proven enough to me for me to make a wild pick on her so I'm gonna go Shevchenko and it's not going to go the distance all right Shevchenko the pick for both of you guys for me you guys kind of mentioned it, Shevchenko. She just has such a great balance of technique and power in her striking. She's so good at mixing everything together, and she's just a, such a complete mixed martial artist. She mixes up her strikes well to the head and body as well. And Alex, you mentioned that Shevchenko really likes to take fights to the ground now, and her ground and pound is really impressive as well. For Grosso, she's never really been gun-shy. She lands 5.14 strikes per minute. She's a volume striker. She's a slugger with a lot of movement but she is susceptible to just trading strikes in the pocket with her opponents. She has a 65% takedown defense, which will likely get tested on Saturday night since Valentina has landed 21 takedowns in her last five fights. She also has a long average fight time of 1340. I think Grosso is a great fighter, but her style is not the style that is going to dethrone Valentina Shevchenko. I'm intrigued by a Santos rematch, but all eyes for me are are on Aaron Blanchfield because she has the style that it takes to beat Valentina Shevchenko. For UFC 285, though, I think Grosso, she's a decent challenge, but she poses no danger to the champion. I think that's really important. The danger factor that Alexa, Alexa Grosso possesses to Valentina Shevchenko is gone. It's absent. There's nothing there. I think she makes it to round four or five, maybe even a decision, but I see Valentina Shevchenko retaining her belt come UFC 285. So we're all in agreement that Valentina Shevchenko will reign supreme and she'll pick up her eighth title defense at UFC 285. But it's time for the main event, guys, and we're all in agreement so far through four fights. Three of the five fights at UFC 285, at least the main card anyway, I feel like are all locks. They're guaranteed. I'm talking about Bone Nickel, Shavkat Rachmanov, and Valentina Shevchenko. Gamrot Turner, we all agreed on that one. Now it's time for the main event. It's John Bones Jones, 
Cyril Bongamangan. Guys, I'm expecting some disagreements here. Mitch, I'm going to give it to you first as John Jones makes his return to the UFC. This is one of the toughest fights I've had to pick easily out of any picks I've made as a part of this podcast because it's kind of at times felt like my heart versus my head. I'm a huge John Jones fan. I love him, and I personally think he is the UFC GOAT. But Gon is such a good fighter, and that cannot go unnoticed just because he's fighting John Jones. Gon only has one loss. It's to Francis Ngannou, and that's actually a, in some people's opinion, questionable decision. I think I've heard of a couple people having him winning rounds one, two, and five in that fight too, but... It's, he has such impressive striking. He's a very good, solid, all-around fighter, and that's what you need to beat someone like John Jones if you even think about doing that. But John Jones possesses the most wide skill set I've ever seen. He's so impressive at every single thing he does. You don't know how to plan for him because he can really do it in any way he wants to. But he's been out for a very long time. He hasn't fought since February of 2020. It's his first fight moving up to heavyweight. And the last fight that he had with Dominic Reyes scared a lot of fans as Reyes could kind of land in a lot of ways that he wanted to, especially the uppercuts. And this, that, all that being said, it's a tough fight for me, but I'm still going to go John Jones. I don't feel comfortable picking against him. And... It, it could go the other way. I'm definitely taking that into account, but I don't think that John Jones can be beaten, at least right now anyway. And I'm going to take John Jones. It's going to be a decision win. I cannot see him finishing Cyril gone. If it ends within the rounds, that's going to be gone. But I think a decision win for John Jones is what I'm going with. Interesting. John Jones by decision. Maybe a bit of heart in that pick, Mitch, but I do like the pick. A lot of people are picking John Jones out there, so it's not absurd. Alex, I'm going to go to you next. Do you agree with Mitch, John Jones by decision, or are you taking the underdog here, Cyril Bongamangan? Yeah, I agree with Mitch on some things. Uh, John Jones, greatest fighter of all time, 100%. Youngest to win the belt, most title defenses. I mean, he he's insane. I'm the one thing I, I guess I, I'll say that, you know, a lot of people don't always talk about, but, I mean, it's his fighter IQ. John Jones, there's a reason that I think he's the GOAT. It's because he's the greatest mixed martial artist. His IQ in every category is so impressive, and that's what separated him. That's why he was able to dominate some of the greatest fighters of all, of to- of all time the way he did. He would just dominate them because that fighter IQ. Cyril Gaon, on the other hand, is the most technical heavyweight, in my opinion, of all time. And he's only got like 12 or 13 fights. I mean, that's that's insane to be so technical as a heavyweight. Striking is really, really good. His chin is not... I'm starting to see a couple cracks, especially with a tie to Ivasa, who isn't the fastest striker, definitely a powerful striker, even being able to get in there and land a strike. Uh, but, but Cyril Gaon's really, really good. The thing is, Mitch, that you said that I liked it, is that, you know, like, uh, uh, I can't, I can't doubt John Jones. It's like, you know, I maybe you want to go Cyril gone because he proves everything, but there's doubt, there's doubt, and, and I'm gonna get into like a mentality thing, a little conspiracy theory, maybe if you will. It's it's you don't want to doubt greatness like that. That's the thing. 
you maybe want to go Cyril Gon because honestly, I think my heart tells me to go Cyril Gon. But when I look at a John Jones and I say, why is he fighting? This guy's been out for three years. In my or not, how many years? Three yeah, years. Three. three years. He's been out three years. He's just been sitting in the bleachers, just watching. He has no real reason to fight except to prove why he's the greatest. That's why he wanted to fight Francis so bad. He wanted to fight a Francis. He wanted to fight a Stipe, the man on your shirt, Jake. That's who he wanted to fight, the, the greatest, the greatest. But he, he said, okay, nobody wanted to fight me. I'm going to fight Cyril Gaon. Cyril Gaon, on the other hand, is a guy that just said in an interview a couple of weeks ago about how he's lazy and he doesn't train for fights until it's time for him to fight. When now we're talking about a John Jones who's been training religiously for a year with some of the best, with Henry Cejudo, with all these guys. He's been training with the best to prove to the world why he is the greatest of all time. And every single person you listen to says, you know, if John Jones could beat Cyril Gaon, he's probably the greatest of all time. That's why he's fighting. Cyril Gaon is fighting because he couldn't beat Francis, because Francis wrestled him too much, and now he's going to fight for the belt. Again, try to get that belt back. It's very, very tough to bet against somebody who's fighting with that kind of interior motive. Somebody who's been watching and has been training and just wants to prove why they're the best. Because he had a bad end of his run. I mean, he's sure he won his last two fights, three fights, but it's not that he looked the best. He looked kind of slow. He looked kind of sluggish. But now he's at heavyweight where you know, the speed won't matter just as much. I think a lot of people are saying he's going to look slow. I think he'll look just as fast as Cyril Gaon was. And he's going to be stronger. A lot of people always say, well, John Jones, he wasn't ever that strong. He's not a knockout artist. He's going to be stronger. He's a heavyweight. I think he's going to weigh in heavier than Cyril Gaon probably will. So I'm going John Jones. I, mm. I, I cannot. I'm not. I, I, it's scary to doubt him. I don't want to pick Cyril Gaon and just have all this doubt in my head. But when I when I pick John Jones, I feel sound. So I'm going John Jones. How does he get it done, Alex? Well, that's that's an interesting question because we've never seen him at heavyweight, right? So, like, the the, the question of where is his power going to be, I don't know. Uh, I definitely can see him getting it to the ground and maybe unleashing some ground upon You know, something on a technical aspect, not to steal all the thunder, Jake. I'm sure you'll have a lot of things to say. But, um, like, Cyril Gaon is a very, very, very good boxer. A very good boxer. Mm -hmm. And, like, he's able to stay in the pocket and avoid strikes and box. The thing is, he's fighting John Jones, who when you're in the pocket, he just throws elbows. You know, you watch Jake Paul and Tommy Fury fight yesterday. They don't throw elbows because there's not elbows in boxing. John Jones literally will go into the pocket on purpose and just throw elbows. I think uh, on a technical standpoint, I think they both start low. They both have good kicks. You know, you see John Jones, he has those good stomp kicks, those good, like, low leg kicks. Cyril Ghan has really good low, low kicks. I think they destroy the bottom halves of each other's body. And then at that point, it's either, okay, John Jones is going to wrestle now or Cyril Ghan's going to attack that head and the body as much as he can because Cyril Ghan's got real good body kicks uh, when, you, when you watch him. Um, which that leads me to maybe a decision. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go either John Jones by decision or John Jones by ground to pound TKO. Um, but yeah, definitely crazy. Even to say like, hey, it's crazy. It's a very crazy fight. Yeah, it's one of the most anticipated main events in a long time. I mean, of course, last pay-per-view was Mikashev and Volkanovski, and that was anticipated, but this one, the return of the GOAT in many people's eyes, 
highly anticipated for UFC 285, and both of you guys on the same page for John Jones. For me, I mean, you guys really wrapped up John Jones well. His last three fights were won by decision at light heavyweight, and he has a long average fight time. And honestly, his last two fights weren't that great. A lot of people believe Dominic Reyes won that last fight against John Jones, but you mentioned it, Alex. What makes John Jones such a fantastic fighter is that he's so well versed in martial arts. He's good at everything, and that fight IQ separates him from the rest of the field. It always has, and he's had so much success in his career, and he's done so by defeating many UFC Hall of Famers. It's just the best out of the best on his resume so far. Forgone, he also has a long fight time. His, his average fight time is 16 minutes and 7 seconds. He only has one first-round finish in his career. He lands double the amount of strikes that he absorbs. That boxing prowess that you talked about, Alex, usually his technique, his speed, and his movement distinguishes him from other heavyweight fighters, but we'll see how much of an advantage that really is against John Bones Jones. My only concern for Gon is that his wrestling was exposed against Francis Naganu. And if anyone's ever going to exploit a weakness, it's John Jones. Jones is three years removed from competition. He's coming off a th- off of three decisions, like I said, and his performances in his last two fights were not the greatest. His main training partner, he is training with the best of the best, I agree with you, Alex, but his main training partner in this camp was Dante Mays. He was the furthest thing from a distinguished heavyweight fighter. We just saw him get wrecked by Augusto Sakai last Saturday in a fight night. Nobody really knows what to expect out of him at heavyweight. With all the uncertainty that is John Jones heading into this fight, I'm more confident taking Cyril Gaon in this spot. We know what to expect when it comes to Gaon. Yes, I'm worried about the wrestling. I ultimately love this fight to go to a decision. I'm betting the over four and a half rounds. I'm betting this fight to go to a decision. But I'm taking Bongaman to reign supreme at UFC 285 and case closed for John Jones. You can still argue that he's the greatest of all time, but I don't think he gets the heavyweight strap at 285. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. So let's let's talk some hypotheticals here. So Cyril Gaon wins. Where does that what does that do for the heavyweight division? Who who's up next for a Cyril Gaon? And, and you know, if a France or sorry, not Francis, wow. If a John Jones wins, um, you know, who fights John Jones? I, I think, you know, I kind of see that Stipe fight happening. It's kind of what people are talking about. But if Cyril Gon wins, I mean, maybe a Sergei Pavlovich. Maybe Well, Pavlovich is fighting who's he fighting right now? He's fighting another heavyweight. He's booked right now. Is he? I believe so. I believe Sergey is booked, but I would love the Steep Amiotis. We all know. Curtis Blades? Yes, that's who it is. Sorry, yeah, it is Curtis Blades. Maybe the winner of that fight. Maybe if, the winner, yeah. If Cyril Gaon were to win. I think the UFC rankings website is completely messed up right now, or else I would tell you a great heavyweight fighter. Okay. But no, <laughs> it, I do think Stipe Miocic is the next one, especially if John Jones wins. I think John Jones, he wants to fight two more times, right? I think that's like his ideal length right now. If he beats Cyril Gaon for the heavyweight title, which I don't think is going to happen, but you guys do, and then I think he defends it again against uh, Stipe Miocic in the summer, I mean, come on. That'd be insane. Yeah. That'd be an insane way to cap off the career of the legend that is going to become John Bones Jones. And I think that's what ultimately the UFC really wants. Like, the UFC wants John Jones to live up to that legacy. They want him to win. A lot of people want him to win. Mitch, you really like John Jones. I'm not surprised. Like, 
He's not the greatest human being. We all know that. But people love greatness. And John Jones is great. They want him to succeed at heavyweight, and they want to see that prowess that they saw with him at light heavyweight. We'll see what it looks like at heavyweight this Saturday night at UFC 285. We all think the fight's going to go pretty long. You said maybe ground and pound for John Jones, Alex, but Alex, you're gone by decision. That's our only disagreement. I'll throw it over to you, Alex. Recap your picks quickly uh, before we sign off. Yeah, I'm going with Bo Nickel. Uh, then I'm going with uh, Matus Gamrot. Then I will take Shavkat Rachmanov. And then I'm going Valentina Shevchenko. And then I'm going with John Jones to win the heavyweight championship. Also, shout out to Ohio boy Cody Garbrandt yes, fighting on the prelims. I love my Ohio boys. He's probably my favorite fighter of all time. But he's, if he's not, he's definitely like the second. So I'm really hoping he comes back at Cody Garbrandt's peak. In that fight versus um, Dominic Cruz, he was the greatest fighter to ever walk the face of the planet, and I want to see that again. Yeah, man. He's an Ohio guy. You know I love my Ohio MMA guys. Hopefully he gets it done. And there's a lot of good early prelims oh, and prelims Blonde Brunson? at 285. Yeah. Drick Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we also got Ian Gary on the early prelims, I believe. Crazy. Why yeah. is Ian Gary on the early prelims? That's so weird to me. I saw that, and I was so confused yeah it's gonna be a great card mitch run through your picks for ufc 285 yeah my picks i'm gonna start off with bo nickel pretty easy i would go most likely finish as a first round submission then i have gamrot i'm for some reason feeling a third round submission over jalen turner but he could finish it in any way rachmanov i got him defeating neil I think that'll be a second-round finish, either submission or simply ground and pound. I got Shevchenko over Grasso in fourth or fifth round, some kind of crazy knockout. And then I'm going John Jones. I'm picking greatness here over Cyril Gaon in a decision. All right, guys, for my picks, I like Bo Nickel in the main card opener as well. I think it gets it done inside the distance over Jamie Pickett. Then I like Mateusz Gamer Gamrot over Jalen Turner. I could see this fight going either way, but I do like Gamrot by decision against the very dangerous Jalen the Tarantula Turner. Then give me Shavkat Rachmanov inside the distance against Jeff Neal. Valentina Bullet Shevchenko over Alexa Grosso by decision. I think that's my lock there. Shevchenko by decision in the co-main event. And then the lone disagreement on today's podcast, I have Cyril Gunn defeating John Bones Jones in the vacant heavyweight title bout to main event UFC 285. I'll say one more thing, then I'll be done, Jake. I could see a draw. And I don't know what that prop bet is, but I would 100% put a little bit of money on, if I could put a little bit of money, I would put it on a draw. Interesting. Because... I mean, we all see it going to decision. It's such a close fight, you know. There's always a chance that there might be a draw on the scorecards, which, I mean, it's going to leave so many people so unsatisfied. But depending on how the fight goes, it might be an awesome rematch. Yeah, could be. I mean, often draws do make for the wildest rematches. We've Mm -hmm. seen it before in the UFC. And I'm just going to hammer that over four and a half rounds. I'm not going to bet gone. I'm not going to bet Jones. I like this fight to go to decision, like I said And that's going to do it for us, the UFC crew here at WZIP Sports. I mean, crazy things for UFC 285. Either I'm going to be the lone person atop the standings, or you guys are both going to have 
a one-fight lead ahead of me, tied for number one. I hope you enjoyed our preview of UFC 285. All the incredible action goes down this Saturday, March 4th, in the fight capital of the world. We're all knotted up here at WZIP Sports in predictions, so it should be interesting to see how these five fights play out, especially the main event. Joining me for this week's edition of SBTOT was... Alex Henry. Mitch Bates. My name is Jake Murren. We'll talk to you again very soon, as a matter of fact, for UFC 286 later this month. But for now, enjoy this weekend's event, and Alex Mitch and I will catch you next time for more UFC action.